0: Welcome to another episode of the In Due Time podcast And I am your host, Mr. Anthony J. Ray Today's episode is uh, kind of my breakdown of the ESPN documentary That uh, that that was done on the 1997 Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan and the cast of characters that was playing with him uh, I want to start the show out by... Giving props to ESPN, first and foremost. Um, it was probably one of the better documentaries I've seen in quite some time. Uh, 10 part, uh, covered over a span of, uh, I think it was four or five weeks every Sunday at nine till about 11 o'clock. Um, I think ESPN was initially supposed to broadcast the documentary in August, but due to, um you know, lack of watchers and no sports on ESPN, they had to come with something to boost their ratings. And I can dig that because you sitting on something like a documentary on Michael Jordan, you know, you're going to get tons of viewers, every episode, every night that is aired. So I want to start out by giving them props on putting together such an amazing uh, documentary. Uh, I'm not exactly certain who was, uh, the director and who all put it together. Um, I'm, I'm getting bits and pieces of stories, backstories behind the making of it. You know, I think, uh, the Chicago bulls hired a film crew to film them entirely throughout the, um, their last run, um, to, to, to solidify a second three P, um, As many of you have seen, and I won't go into so much of a breakdown of each episode and things of that nature, I just kind of want to kind of go over why they were doing it. You know, um, the GM, Jerry Cross, had come up to Phil Jackson after, you know, them having some turbulence and having some uh, friction in their relationship as GM and coach. Um, And he had basically, he was about to blow the team up, you know, and I guess for his own personal reasons, you know, uh, it has been rumored that Cross had his problems with uh, the machine after he built it. Uh, he, he, I give him ultimate props on going out and finding a legendary coach like uh, Phil Jackson and digging deep to pull out talent like uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and a whole bunch of other cast members that he assembled to do um, the numbers that the Chicago Bulls did throughout their run, you know, over all the years, you know, to have one three peat uh, is a feat in itself. But to have two three peats, uh, <laughs> that is, you know, that is unheard of. And I, that's where I will, I will start out by giving, giving, um, you know, I'll give Jerry Cross his props on, on that. But I think he did have a lot of little. Um, little hangups that, you know, I think it was an ego thing for him, you know, after he built this great team and, and, and assembled all this talent, uh, it overshadowed him as a GM. And I think he wanted props for, for that, you know, and and that's the ego thing, you know, like, you know, you got something successful running like that. You got to take your personal feelings out of, out of, out of that situation and just let it, let nature run its course. And I think, Jerry did not have that type of attitude towards making, I think the Bulls probably could have won seven championships, if not more, had he not tried to break the team up and disassemble what he had built. Uh, I think that came from, like I said, his own ego, but like I said, I won't get too much into that. Um, I'll give, I'll start out by kind of handing out, you know, props with things that I saw in the documentary that were fascinating. I start out with, uh, the main character, Michael Jordan, um, after hearing a lot of his backstories and family members chiming in and mom chiming in and hearing clips of his dad before he passed. Um, it, it, it all makes sense to why we got the greatness and what we, we have gone, uh, grown to love in Michael Jordan. And, um, I'll never take that away from Michael Jordan. Uh I don't know if many of you know, but I'm a I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Magic Johnson fan. I grew up liking Magic. Even during those times in which um Mike was was playing, I was rooting for him as a player, but I'm a Magic fan. I'm a Lakers fan. So I mean a lot of those instances where, you know, he had early failures, I didn't really care because like I'm I'm rooting for the Lakers. And then when he started to go on his run and making all these championship runs, I like probably many other people were, were tired of the bulls reign, you know, like their dominance was like disgustingly sickening. You know, it, it got to a point where you, you did kind of get tired of seeing Mike hoist, hoist the, uh, the trophy up every year. Uh, no hate towards him or anything or his greatness, because I, I don't think there's anything that we can do to taint what he did on the court. um, I think Mike had his own, uh, he had his own uh, caution about airing this documentary because he knew in order to be great, you know, he had to push people and he knew that that had been filmed. And, you know, Mike had kind of a squeaky clean image and persona throughout his playing career, but it was always rumored that Mike was a jerk. And I think in order for you to achieve certain levels of greatness, uh, there are some jerk factors that have to play part. Uh, so I won't rip him on being a jerk to teammates, Uh, I, you know, and demanding excellence and God levels of play while playing with him because he was a God level playing basketball player. Um, Like I said, you can't really take nothing away from what he did on the court. Michael Jordan is exactly who he is. He is probably the greatest basketball player to ever lace him up. And uh, I won't short him on that. I won't short him on giving him props on um, not only one 3 peak, but two peaks. The dude took breaks out of uh, retirement, you know, and coming back and, and uh, having endured uh, family loss and things of that nature. So, um, you know, like I said, you can't take away from things of that nature. But um, like I said, it, Oftentimes we, we hear the backstories on things, but like this documentary put a lot of stuff into perspective. It confirmed or denied certain things. And I'm sure it was some stuff that was left out that ESPN had to edit in order to not make Mike look totally, totally like a jerk. And, um, but I think, uh, some of the stuff that we did see, uh, I, I couldn't have gone for, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I guess as a player, you, you went along with him because, you knew that you were going to get a ring out of it. You knew you were going to be cemented in a, a time in which basketball greatness would be forever revered and you would be a part of that greatness. So I think a lot of the the, the mistreatment and the behavior that a lot of the players endured, they endured knowingly. But uh some of his behavior and activity, uh I mean, it, it, as a man, like some of that stuff I, I couldn't have gone for. Like the Horace Grand situation, like, him trying to de- deny Horace Grant uh, to eat food after he had had terrible play on the court. Uh, I think that was a bit much, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that no man should, you know, hold that kind of weight. You know, on on' telling a, a flight attendant that, you know, not to feed me because I didn't perform well on the court. You know, that, that that's chastising. That's a grown man. You know what I'm saying? Horace Grant did everything he could to get to that level prior to even meeting Michael Jordan. So to, to, to judge him on, on his plate in one game or if there had been a number of games, I don't give a fuck. You're not finna tell me I ain't eating. Like, <laughs> like that, that's where I draw the line. But what I will say is, you know, uh, I think he had a lot of jerk tendencies and, as you saw in the documentary, you know, Mike went, went at it at, with everybody. Like he didn't make no bones on, on, on you know, sh- snapping on nobody. So like his play was just that it was his play. And, um, uh, that was his way. So I can't be mad at him for being the person that he was, you know, he expected greatness. So he pushed people to limits. Now I think Mike did that with people that he knew we're, we're going to kind of play the role and, like, accept it to an extent just to be a part of that legacy. Um, I think people that he he tried, you know, he tried Horace Grant, Scott Burrell, swung on Steve Kerr. Uh, he did a lot to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I mean, he he demeaned them, you know, but they won. You know, he got – he pulled greatness from a lot of players that – as you can see, you know, like, you could go back to a whole bunch of players that weren't just, like, super, super, super. I ain't going to say they weren't talented, but, like, he, they were role players, and he made them a bigger role by his demanding certain things of them. And, like I said, in order for him to achieve the things that he did, he had to pull out some some stuff and pull out the, you know, the big guns on certain players. But I can tell you, after I noticed, like, you know, like his belittling and tyrants and things of that nature the people that he did not <laughs> he didn't approach was and the people that probably should have deserved some 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 tough love and some you know stern firm michael jordan lessons uh he never tried Dennis like that like <laughs> He never not once tried Dennis like that. He he never even belittled Dennis in, in, in the interview. Like, the documentary, he, he just like, Dennis going to be Dennis. Like, he made no bones and he didn't edit none of the stuff on other players that he belittled. But Dennis wasn't one of them. Why? Because he knew Dennis was a goon. Dennis was a loose cannon and Dennis would have gotten in that ass for certain. So, I think Dennis... Uh, was one of those players that, you know, he, he was gonna be Dennis regardless. I think once Dennis discovered who he was as a person, uh, it wasn't no I'm conforming to the norm, I'm I'm gonna be with other people. I'm Dennis was was marching to his own drum. You know what I'm saying? And in a lot of sense, I, I can respect him. And um, you know what I'm saying, I always revered Dennis as being a a hardball player, you know what I'm saying? A role player in which he 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 showed that when he was with Detroit, and he came in and showed the same thing when he was in um in Chicago. So I can't be mad at Dennis for being Dennis. You know, I think they knew the player that they were getting with Dennis, so that that's where a lot of leniency came with Dennis. Um, uh, if you ask me, Dennis was the go-to of the, <laughs> of the documentary. Like, you know, Dennis had his legend placed in front of us. Like, you know, Dennis had all the bad chicks. You know, famous. Uh, take random trips and go do cocaine and all kind of stuff and live it up in Vegas and and be absent from from the team at, for days at a time and still came back and did his job. Effective, and matter of fact, was probably one of the biggest uh, catalysts in them uh, achieving that second three peak. So you asked me the, the one of the biggest goats on on that documentary was was Dennis Rodman. Um, like I said, Steve Kerr. You know, I think his lessons and stuff it it taught him a lot of uh, you know it 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 made him the character that he is today. You know what I'm saying? It made him more of a um, you know successful coach. You know he left Chicago and after winning like rings with them, he went and won a couple with San Antonio. You know it it he was able to carry over some of them tough lessons that that Mike showed him and he, he flipped it into his own personal success without Michael Jordan. You know, he won a couple championship championships as coach with golden state warriors. So Steve took the situation and, and made it, made his own legacy in itself. Um, Phil Jackson, he would be the next person that I would speak on. Uh, Phil is Phil. Phil is the Zen master. You know what I'm saying? Phil made all that work. Phil was, Phil was just tons of life lessons with, with more of a alternative way of thinking, more of an Eastern philosophy way of thinking. And I think that was the glue to them solidifying the second three-peat also. Uh, Phil went on to leave there and go to to uh, my Los Angeles Laker and, and, and got us a couple of ships. So, you know, I'm always be uh, eternally grateful for Phil Jackson and what he did for Los Angeles, but, you know, that was that was just a, a confirmation that Phil could have did it on any level with probably with any team because he had something that was tried and true. And uh, and it, it proved itself in play with not only Michael Jordan, but he went and did it with Kobe Bryant and, and, and Shaquille O'Neal. So, you know, I give I give um, Phil Jackson ultimate props. But my uh podcast is not about sports, it's not about sports per se. I use the lessons in sports in order to, to push a different narrative. Uh, The narrative that I'm pushing out of this is, um, is the sneaker. You know what I'm saying? The phenomenon that made Jordan, this legendary great player was play on the court. But in my community growing up, he was a legend because of his sneaker. Like, his sneaker was would probably get him a pass in any black hood anywhere he wanted to go in the world because uh, Michael Jordan sneakers is legendary in that sense. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, I had my first pair of Sky Jordan, the very first Air Jordan one that came out. I was in elementary school. And um, I know that, you know, to me, I know it was a status thing because at that time, uh, It was it was a little bit more of an expensive sneaker than than we were used to buying at that time. It was a little bit more pricier. And um, if you had a pair, it almost put you on a status that, you know, you, you, you were doing a little bit better than others. Now, I want to remind everybody that uh I wasn't doing good at all in life. You know what I'm saying? We was living in the projects at the time when I got the sneaker. And probably should not have had the sneaker. But, you know, my mama, like any other mother, you know, they want to you know, bring some happiness and joy to the kids and give them some of the nicer things that they didn't have in life. So, you know, that was the logic. And I think that's the logic that we have all taken with our kids these days, you know, like, you know, give them something nice and, you know, but along with those nice items, I think it needs to be some lessons that are taught, Uh, some things that need to be addressed. And uh, I won't say that the things I'm about to say, I don't say with complete negativity, but I think it's something that we should all uh, Taking into consideration, um, Michael Jordan sneakers, is like a, like I said, is a status symbol in 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 the black community. Uh, I know tons of people that um, could not afford the sneaker, you know, you know, parents couldn't afford the sneaker, so their ambition to get the sneaker turned to hustling, you know. And if you underage and ain't you know ain't got no no means of getting the money chances are you're going to do something that's illegal to get it. So I could tell tell you countless stories of people that I know that uh, put their life on the line or ruined their life entirely for, for a status symbol. Not just the Jordan sneaker, but, you know, I know a lot of people that say that they started hustling because they wanted Jordans. They wanted the nicer things, you know, and Jordan was probably one of the more notable things they mentioned, but, you know, along with cars and rims and the girls and all that stuff. But, you know, in the midst of the starter pack of things that you wanted, and the things that would set you up as, you know, having high status in the hood, Jordan was a part of that starter pack. And, um, you know, I, me too. I'm, I'm guilty. I, I make confession right here on my own podcast. I spent seventeen thousand dollars in sneakers one year, and I'm a grown man. I'm an adult making money, had a house, had a career, and I think I went back and compensated for. Every pair, uh, every pair of Air Jordans that I had missed over time, or ones that I thought were just like staples, and you know, like all right, these, you know, this shoe was hot when I was in high school. Go back and get it. You know, I'm 30 year old man standing in line to get Air Jordan sneakers, and um, that didn't make sense. You know, after I thought about it, you know, after I started becoming more uh, financially savvy, realizing the wrongs of my ways, and trying to see where I was going wrong, and that's the hardest thing about you know, correcting some of your wrongs is admitting where you went wrong, you know? And, you know, at the time you might've revealed those decisions as being good decisions or, you know, I do it all over again. Cause I like the shoe or I like the player, but, um, I don't think we should place no emphasis on, uh, a item or a status symbol without having status, like true status. Um, you know, if you, if you own a house and you got stock and, other assets that support you, or you got passive income to support the lifestyle that you are perpetuating. I can dig it. Buy all the sneakers you want. You know, have a whole sneaker room, but let it make sense that you know. I don't heard stories about you know mothers right before school starting. You know, I don't know what I am gonna do. These boys want Jordans and they ain't got the money. You know what I am saying? They struggling. They spending their last to get. You know, they got two or three sons and they spend their last dollar to go make sure that they kid going to have the latest, latest joy when they go to school. You know, you go to any random baby shower and, you know, they, they, they got onesies and little booties and stuff for the baby. So it starts at birth. It's like. we We instill something in our kids that this is a status that will make you play harder, be harder, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. it, It instills like the wrong, um, message in our kids. And I think that, you know, before we go and buy all these sneakers and, 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 and put Jordan on this pedestal and, and, you know, make him millions and millions of more dollars, you know, teach your kids the value of, of the dollar, you know what I'm saying? teach them about assets and liabilities, the things that appreciate with values and the things that depreciate with value. Sneakers is one of them. Cars is another one. You know what I'm saying? You go buy the the Rolex and you put diamonds in it. You just, you just uh, kill the value of that watch instantly. You know what I'm saying? So it's the things that we instill in our children that I'm focused on more out of the documentary. And, you know, I see how every night after each one of those shows, People would go on Facebook and continue to glorify Jordan and his greatness. And then after that, you will see a list of what's your top pick of all the Jordans that was made. And like I said, you got grown men, you know what I'm saying? You know, so I know that, you know, if grown men is thinking on this level, that's passed on to his seed. That's passed on in lineage. So we, a lot of times we putting out the wrong message. I I personally would never tell nobody how to spend their money. But, you know, let's just address some some facts in this situation. If you are working a job and you don't own a house, you don't own no land, you don't own no stock, you don't have no bonds, you don't have nothing set aside for this kid for the future. But yet you buying two hundred dollars, two hundred plus dollar sneakers. And I ain't going to just say Jordan, because like these days, you know, Jordan is kind of like the low end of expensive sneakers these days, you know, like. Kids these days they want the Balenciagas and the Versaches and all these high end sneakers that's you know well beyond the Gucci sneaker and the Louboutin sneakers and you know they they want the spike red bottoms and you know I don't I mean like I said I'm not gonna tell nobody how to spend their money but you know I would be damn y'all keep putting up GoFundMe pages and shit and and. Ain't no and and help to pay for a funeral for a kid that got killed over the sneaker, you know what I'm saying? Or he in trouble now because he decided that he was gonna take these penitentiary penitentiary chances at having all the, all this expensive stuff. Um, that's the results of it, you know. The lifestyle you lead lead is exactly what your kids will lead. You know what I'm saying? Like they gonna lead the same thing you doing. So if you out here, you know, glorifying Jordan and I guess, like I said, I never, I ain't bad mouthing the people that still buy Jordans. Like matter of fact, if that's what you're going to do, continue doing that because I have Nike stock and I want, I want my shit to keep rising. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm not getting caught up in that. I got three pairs of remaining pairs of Jordan. I, I sold my whole uh, collection about two years ago, ran into some financial situations and, uh, realized that I was sitting on that $17,000 worth of J's and and other sneakers that I had bought and liquidated my assets. And I was lucky enough to probably get back 10 or 11,000 of that back, you know, after I sold my, I mean, like if anybody know me, I had every pair that came out. I was there on standing line or had a plug, you know, my, my, my original plug, from Came from when I was in high school You know anybody from Newland Georgia And we had a plug His name was Penny Arnold Penny would would uh, Call me and my cousin And let us know When he got his shipment in Because he knew we was big Jordan fanatics So we got you know Jordans that before they came out You know different colors But we got every pair that came out And some starter shirts and starter jackets And all kind of stuff he was selling so, you know, you know, it was instilled to in me very, very young. Like I said, 1985, I had my first pair of Sky Jordans, and um, like I said, it, it, it's one of the things I think about now. You know, looking back and as an adult, you know, places where I went wrong. You know what I'm saying? You know, seventeen thousand dollars in stock, opposed to you know seventeen thousand dollars a sneaker that 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 appreciated in a different way, you know, them $17,000, I could be, you know, two or $300,000 rich right now if I had invested that money in the right way. Uh, so my thing is we need to promote the thing. Like I said, I never, again, I'm going to say this probably 10 more times before I end this podcast. I'm not getting on here telling you, you wrong for buying your kid's shoes. But if you're not instilling the right things in them before you buying the shoes and then you just willingly going out and buying them and you ain't making them earn them shoes, you failing the kid. You're not doing him, him or yourself any justice because at some point he going to want somebody else or some woman or some man to take care of her to get these shoes. and it, it, it's It's a snowball effect. And like I said, it's too many times I done seen people that be rocking the freshest of the fresh and then death hit in their family and it's a GoFundMe or so-and-so ain't had no insurance. Why so-and-so didn't have no insurance? Shit. That motherfucker used to be fresh all the time. Every time I saw him, he had a fresh pair of joint. So he done got shot and killed now, but he ain't had no insurance. What part of the game is that? You hustling backwards. All right, so you out here in the street slanging dope, Doing all this stuff, but you ain't doing the necessary stuff to solidify your family, solidify yourself in the event that you get in some problem. You get jammed up, you ain't got money for a lawyer. You die, you ain't got insurance for a funeral. Like, all right, again, my podcast is more from a financial standpoint. You know, the things that we've done wrong in life. You know, accept your truth. I know my truth. I was able to address my truth. Now, like I said, out of hundreds of pairs of Jordans, I have three remaining pairs left. I just sold a pair of Concords today, wore them one time for an event and have not worn them since. And since the documentary, I was just like, man, go ahead and sell the shoe. Buy you a few more, you know, shares of stock with the shoe proceeds. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ship the money off into my, um, uh, my brokerage account and, um, uh, sit on it, play around with it, see if I can grow the money that, you know, that I spent on the shoe. You know, if you know anybody that want a pair of breads or two pairs, I got two pairs of threes left. Uh, get at me on or off the podcast. Uh, I, I, You know, size 10 and a half in all three pairs. So, you know what I'm saying? They lightly worn. Cause you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm fresh like that. So I ain't just like wear them out. You know. but you know, I still buy sneakers. Matter of fact, when y'all see me come out this summer, y'all gonna think I'm sponsored by Adidas, because Adidas done had some great sales uh throughout this quarantine. But uh, I say all that to say I digress. I say all this to say like I'm still a sneaker head, but like I'm I'm more um, you know, the, the sneakers I'm I'm rocking now, you know, tree Torns. Yeah, that's an old shoe I wore back in high school. The most I paid for, for a pair of tree Torns is about 45, 50 bucks. You know, every pair of Adidas that I bought as of late, uh you know, I caught on a sale. You know what I'm saying? I think the highest price pair I got in here now is uh, a pair of uh, NMDs. You know what I'm saying? And I caught those on a 60% off sale. You know what I'm saying? So I don't don't feel bad about catching a deal on something, but you know, I'm good though. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like I do have stock. I have assets. You know what I'm saying? You know, I do invest. So, you know, if you can say the same continue buying J's, you know, if you can say that, you know, you, you, you putting, putting the right message in your seed, and knowing that when they get out of school, that they're going to do the same thing with their kid. You know what I'm saying? They're going to do the right things and, and, and promote generational wealth. That's what I'm about. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm about teaching that we, we need to have passive income before we start just spending money. Like you get passive income with real estate, you get passive income with, uh, gains on stock and dividend shares. You know what I'm saying? That's how you that's how you, uh compounding your your dollar. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, I I get I get these little notification oh, I got stash and SoFi and Robinhood and Acorn and I get these little notifications on my on my um my phone is like uh cash just hit your account. You know, your dividends just paid off. And you know, you know Low-key, you know, it don't be like a whole bunch of money. But it was money that I got sitting in the stock. And they're going to pay me to to use my money and invest it. Sure, I'll take those little dividends, dollars that y'all going to send me quarterly. I'll take them. And they build up enough. Guess what? Them same little dividends that build up enough. I'll go on vacation with that. I'll go buy me some stuff I want. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to make your money work for you. Them shoes is not working for you. Them shoes ain't gonna bring you no value, you know. And people are like, well, I bought them to resale. I'm gonna tell you right now, I done done that too. And you lying, you ain't making a lot of money off resale. You lying. Most of y'all wearing them shoes, and then you know, cause it's your personal collection. You know what I'm saying? You you're not copping it and dead stocking these shoes. Hey, like I said, I sold a pair today. And I don't want before and I got the same amount of money that I've spent on them. So, all right, who won? I did. Got pictures with me in the shoe and everything. All right. If that was the purpose is for people to see me in a pair of Concords, Yeah. I got pictures to prove it. I had a pair. I had several pairs. You know, we bragging about the wrong things. The things that we think make us look good. Don't. You know what I'm saying? You can feel however you want to feel about me after you hear this, but just know that you heard the truth from somebody who, 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 who done been victim of it too. Now, if you, it'd be different if I was preaching a story that I had never been a part of. I wrote this story, but a part of writing a story, you can change a narrative. You know what I'm saying? You can rewrite your story at any given time. Your situation don't have to be permanent, that's on you but I ain't going to get too, too preachy on this podcast. I appreciate the people that have been chiming in, the people that have been listening. Uh, like I said, I'm going to give props to ESPN and the documentary. Um, they did a, a superb job. Uh, the Last Dance will probably go down. It's probably one of the better documentaries, not just ESPN or ESPN 30 for 30s in history. Like it, it kind of laid out a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, we had heard for years and, you know, they confirmed a lot of stuff that we we have been thinking. But um like I said I won't get too preachy, but if you like the podcast, please share. You know what I'm saying? Please uh comment, inbox, DM me. You can follow me on all the social media platforms, IG, Facebook, I have a YouTube channel, uh TikTok, but uh Keep the narrative going. You can catch this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music. You know what I'm saying. Get at your boy. Share, like, comment. Let's keep the narrative going. You know what I'm saying. Like I said, if it's something that you think that I I I, I touched on that you didn't like, please share it with me. You know what I'm saying. I have no problem with having a dialogue with people. I think that we need to do that more often. You know, we need to have healthier dialogues. You know, and I'm all for that. And uh, with all that being said. I'm going to go ahead and end this thing on, on, on a real positive note. A little, little ditty I call it Jazz Hop, my intro music. I'm an outro on that note. And peace.